verses, it's not really as difficult as it may seem, that it really does make sense, and it really is true, and we already know that because the Bible says it. The Bible's true, no matter what we think. If you can't understand something, don't doubt the Bible, just wait for God to give you that truth. People say, well, you know, you believe the Bible, what about this verse? And if I didn't have the answer, I've told you this before, I believe the Bible by faith. And then if I can't understand it, then it's not a problem with the Bible. It's it's a problem with me and my understanding. And then maybe God says, oh, you know what? You've been faithful. I'm going to give you the answer. But if I go to it unbelieving, maybe God will just leave my lights off and I never will get the understanding. And then God says, well, you know, you didn't didn't believe it by faith. Therefore, I'm not going to give you the evidence of the things that you should learn. Go back to verse 6 now. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, I, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. In Acts chapter 4, verse 12, the Bible says, Neither is there any, any other name given among men whereby we must be saved. It's the name of Jesus. Everything that we understand about God comes through the Son. He's the Word. John 1, 1. The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. The Word was and is God. Think about that. That's Jesus Christ. And it's so important to understand those things because if you don't understand Jesus, you'll never have the relationship that you're supposed to have. We're supposed to have a personal relationship. Not religion. Religion tells you do this and do this and do this and puts you under their thumb and says you have, to, you, you, have to, you have to obey these things to be accepted of God. God accepts you as you are, as a sinner, as His enemy, as a lost person. He accepts you that way and says, now look at my son because he's the one that can give you salvation. He's the one that can give you relationship. He's the way, truth, life. No man comes unto the Father by me. Now, when you look at that thing about the way, uh, in John chapter 7, verse 14, it says, Narrow is the way. Broad is the way that leadeth unto destruction. So not only is He the way, but it's a narrow way. I'm narrow-minded. I have to be. I can't be open-minded and say, Well, you know, atheism atheism may be true. Uh, Evolution may be true. I'm closed-minded, right? That's okay. Once you know the truth, the truth will make you free. I'm free from all those influences that would lead me astray from what God wants me to know and understand, learn and live. He does the same thing for everybody. But the problem is us. The problem is if you don't have that relationship, that relationship is available to you the same way it was available to me in in 1980. I accepted Jesus Christ, my personal Savior. He forgave my sins. He moved in, lives in me, and He will never leave me, never forsake me, the Bible says. So he says, narrow is the way. He talks about in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, about a way of escape. A way of escape. So he says, there's no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But he provides a way to escape that you may be able to bear that temptation. He is the way. The way to what? A way of escape. The way to heaven. The narrow way. And then you go on, there's other verses too. It talks about the way into the holiest in Hebrews chapter 9, Hebrews chapter 10. I'm, I'm moving a little bit quick because um, we started late. So I've got to, I, I want to go ahead and get a lot in. I don't want you to have to turn to all the passages. I'll quote them for you. You just get the cassette tape and that was a joke. 
You just, you just, if you need to, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a picture of my Bible here. I've, I've got all the notes right here, so you can just take a picture of my Bible. Actually, what I've been doing online on Sermon Audio is I take a PDF of my, my Bible because I don't print the notes out frequently. Uh, so I just have my Bible, and I, I, I put that on there. And Man, we had, uh, we had 80 hits the other, yesterday as soon as it went online at 8 o'clock in the morning. It's from about a month, and a half, about a month ago. Uh, but I go ahead and put those on there now because, and then I'll have a record of it should anything happen to my Bible. After I finish teaching the whole Bible about 2092, uh, <clears throat> I'll have a picture of my whole Bible on there. What's another one? Uh, the way of the holiest, a new and living way, Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 9, a new and living way. That's what you have to understand. This book is living. Jesus is living. The Word is living. Very important to understand that. It goes on and it says, the way of truth, 2 Peter 2.12. The way of truth. I know for me, I've been saved 42 years. And, and I know when I started learning the truth and started growing, man, it was a magnificent thing. We were talking about the other day how I got involved in some things that weren't true very early in my Christian walk. And then God brought me to this church. I started learning my Bible. And I started teaching the guys that I was living with that were still in that group. And, and, and you watched them. Tom came over here. Ron came over here. Richard came over here. And about two years later, the guy that led me the Lord, he got out of it. Clint got out of it. And the reason was because they started learning the Bible. That's what the truth does to you. The truth gives you a way to escape out of error. But you have to accept the truth. What if it costs you something? What if it costs you family relationships or friendships? Are you willing to put the truth above everything else? If you're not willing to do that then you will have a problem. You'll stunt your growth. I don't want... Listen, I'm, I'm already, I'm already uh, 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 vertically challenged. Boy, I lost my word. I've said that a few times. Now they know it by heart that I'm vertically challenged. My dad's six foot four. Yeah, but he's got bad knees now that he's 86. See, I, my knees may stay intact. That's so exciting. When I get on an airplane, I barely have to duck. Somebody, I was going through, uh, we, we were moving my, uh, my, my kayaks yesterday. But, uh, Bill says, watch your head. And I'm looking up going, why? <laughs> you got to bow your head. I don't have to bow mine. There he was. He was going like this, like this while we were moving. No, he wasn't. He just said, hey, watch your head. And I'm like, man, that thing's like three inches above my head. But Bill's hit his a few times, so he's got to be careful. Just kidding. Hey, in 2 Peter 2.15, 2 the Bible says the right way. You know there's a wrong way in life? The broad is the way that leads to destruction. You do know that the majority will never accept Jesus Christ their Savior. The majority will never realize that a Savior came down to this earth 2,000 years ago. He died on that cruel cross. He shed His blood. He became sin for us who knew no sin that we might have made the righteousness of God in Him. They'll know nothing about that because they will not accept that truth. Sometimes it's religion that stops you. Relationships, family. Listen, you cannot let anything come in between you and Jesus Christ. He's the right way, which means there's probably a wrong way. In 2 Peter 2.21, it talks about the way of righteousness. I want that way of righteousness. 
I learned that me, left up to myself, will dishonor God. The only way to honor God is to learn the truth, live the truth, grow in the truth. And as I grow and as I mature, and listen, it is an ongoing process that never stops if you humble yourself. It'll never stop. I'm growing now. I, I, you know, I, 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 we talk about, I've written 21 books on the Bible. So what? I'm still a student of the Bible. I am always learning and growing and maturing. And should that ever stop, it will stop because I choose to think more highly of myself than I should think. You know what I want to think? I want to think like God thinks about me. He loves me. He's merciful. He's gracious. But He wants you to be a perpetual student of the Bible. I never want to stop learning. So that's a few things about the way. Let's go ahead down to verse 7. He says, If ye had known me, ye should have known my Father also. And from henceforth ye know Him and have seen Him. Now that's pretty... Pretty impactful. That's pretty clear. He's he's saying, I am God. Look at verse 8. Philip saith unto him, after Jesus just said that, Lord, show us the Father. And it sufficeth us. He just said, I did. You know, in the Bible earlier on, we we read in John 10 verse 30, he says, says, "I I and my Father are one. You see, He was equal with the Father. When you saw Jesus, you saw the Father. When you saw Jesus, you saw God. Now, not God manifesting all of His glory. He says, i got to go back to the Father. Glorify Thou Me the way I was glorified before I came to earth. He was in human form, in a human body, but He was still God. When you saw Jesus, you saw God. And they didn't get that. Philip says, show us the Father. Right after, he, right after Jesus said what He said, verse 9, Jesus saith unto him, Have I been so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, show us the Father? He, 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 it's incredulous that he, he's, he's gone three years plus with these apostles and they still don't get it. You ought to be thankful if you're saved and you got the Holy Ghost living in you. That's why you can do greater works. Because God's doing them through you. See, it isn't sacrilegious to read that verse and think, well, I can do greater works. How can that be? That's stealing God's glory. No, no. That's the whole point. You can do those because of Him. Without Him, I can do nothing. It's all about Jesus. It's all about God manifesting the flesh. By the way, it's God manifesting the flesh. One of the proof texts, 1 Timothy 3.16, that Jesus is God. God manifesting the flesh. Not He who was manifesting the flesh. Because it's a proof text for us to know that Jesus is God. Now he says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Now, I just quoted you 1 Timothy 3.16. I quoted to you John 10.30. I want you to go ahead and turn to Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews 1. Now I can slow down a little bit because I think I've caught up. Hebrews chapter 1. Verse 1. 
The Bible says, God who at sundry times and diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets. So in the Old Testament, he spoke by the prophets. Hath in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. Jesus made everything. Verse 3. Who being the brightness, this is Jesus, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. The Bible says that he is the express image of the person of God the Father. That's why when you saw Jesus, you saw the Father. It is so important to realize that truth. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, another passage I want you to see. And we'll just start in verse... Mm, whole Bible. Verse 6. Who also hath made us able ministers... <clears throat> I think I'm in the wrong... No wonder I wanted to go so far back. I was like, that's not the verse. I was in chapter 3. Chapter 4, verse 6. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Do you know the light, it's shown out of darkness. It's shown in our hearts to do what? To give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. We are blessed. You know, Jesus even says, you know, blessed is he that has not seen and yet believed. We are more blessed than those apostles that walked with Jesus. We are more blessed than those apostles that talked with Jesus. Because we have not seen. How do you get blessed? Faith. Faith. We have to believe Jesus died on that cross 2,000 years ago. I never saw Him hang on the cross. We have to believe that He resurrected from the grave because I haven't physically seen with my eyes that Jesus has risen from the grave. But I've got to tell you, I believe it as much as those apostles believe it that saw it. How do you do that? Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. The Bible says that which is not a faith is sin. So it's all about faith. We are more blessed to have to live by faith than we are like those apostles that live by sight. What happens when you live by sight? Show us the Father. Well, I just told you, Philip. Show us the Father. Listen, if you ask those questions, it may be because your faith is lacking. Increase our faith, Lord. There was somebody that prayed that in the Bible and said, increase our faith. I believe, but increase it. You ought to pray that every day. Lord, increase my faith. Help me to draw nigh unto thee because you say you'll draw nigh unto me if I'll do that. That's your only requirement. You want to know where God is? He's right where He's always been. Draw nigh unto Him. He'll be right there. The problem is, we move away from God and expect Him to come with us. He doesn't do that. He says, you draw nigh unto me, I'll draw nigh unto you. And you could look at many other passages, but go back to verse 9 again. It says, He that hath seen me has seen the Father. How sayest thou then, show us the Father? Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? 
You see, the Father was in Him when Jesus went to the cross. I'm not sure how that worked, but you remember when it was turned darkness and, and why hast thou forsaken me? Maybe the Father wasn't in the Son there when he, when he took our sin upon Him. I don't know. Why hast thou forsaken me? The Father's in me and I'm in the Father. But He's going to the cross. He's going to take our sin upon Him. The Bible says He's actually going to become sin. Who knew no sin? Maybe there was a separation there that we don't understand. But He goes on and He says, I am in the Father, the Father in Me. The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of Myself, but the Father that dwelleth in Me, He doeth the works. You see, the Father is over the whole thing. It's the, it's, he's... He's one, all one together, but the Father's over the Son in position. It's very important to understand that. He said, believe me that I am in the Father, the Father in me, or else believe me for the very work's sake, in verse 11. Believe me for the work's sake. If nothing else, believe me for the sake of the work that I do. What is the work that Jesus did? He died on the cross. He didn't come here to heal everybody. It's just the natural process of things. If you have God manifest in the flesh, of course He can heal everybody. Because that's who He is. You can't stay dead around God. He even said, well, you know, Lazarus, well, he sleepeth. They didn't understand. Oh, it's good if he's taking rest. No, no, he's dead. But I'm going to go and heal him so that you all can believe. I'm glad I was not there. Now, I say that, but then I go, man, I wish I'd have seen that. I mean, can you imagine? Move the stone away. No, by now he stinketh. Move the stone away. All right, now unwrap the one walking out. Lazarus, come forth. Now unwrap him. Take those grave clothes off. He doesn't need them anymore. That's the works that he did. But the greatest work he did was yet to happen. There he was, and he was going to go to Jerusalem, and they were going to, they, they were going to say, oh man, Hosanna in the highest. And they're just glory. Oh man, everybody was just, just shouting the praises of God. Boy, the crowd is fickle. That's why you better never try to please man too much on this earth. You try to please man, you will fail because man cannot be pleased. You give somebody this much, they're going to want this much more. Because you can never please everybody all the time. Verse 12, my text verse. Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on Me, the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto My Father. What did He say later on? He says, I'm going to send you the Holy Ghost, the Comforter. I think it's in the next verse. He says, it's not in the next verse. He says in verse 26, but the Comforter... This is chapter 14, verse 26. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in My name, He shall teach you all things, spiritual context, and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. How did they write Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? You know, they didn't stop. These fishermen didn't say, well, hold on, Jesus. I, I, 
I didn't quite get that quote. Let me write it down. Hold on. How many were here? 5,000? How many fishes? How many loaves of bread? No, 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 no. He brought it all to remembrance. You know what you have in you if you are saved? You have that same Holy Ghost. You're not going to write Scripture, by the way. I want to make that clear. The Word of God's complete. It's finished. Nothing needs to be added to. Nothing can be taken away from it. But the thing is, you can do greater works. How do you do greater works? What happened? What's a soul worth? All the riches in the world, right? Yeah. So imagine if you lead a soul to Christ. That's what we're talking about here. Those are the greater works. You'll do the same works and greater works because you will be able to take what you have within you, talk to somebody about Jesus, and that He died on the cross, He was buried, He rose again, and salvation is alone in Jesus Christ. Not how good you are, not how many works you do, not how much you give to the church or give to other people. It's not about charity. It's about Jesus. And if you'll do that, and you'll give Him all the glory. Greater works will you do. When you look at your Bible, what kind of greater works are we talking about? Well, I'm gonna, we're going to go ahead and run some references in the book of Acts. Look at Acts chapter 5, and let's see what the Bible says about some of these greater works. Acts chapter 5, <coughs> verse 15. Verse 12, And by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people, and they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. And the rest durst no man join himself to them, but the people magnified them. And believers were the more added to the Lord, multitudes, both men of men and women, insomuch that they brought forth the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and couches, that at the least the shadow of Peter passing by might overshadow some of them. There came also a multitude out of the cities round about unto Jerusalem, bringing sick folks and them which were vexed with unclean spirits, and they were healed every one. That's some pretty great works. That's just Peter's shadow. Now I hate to tell you, I don't have much of a shadow anyway, but my shadow's not going to help you. Why? The Jews require a sign. Tongues are for a sign. When the Word of God is complete geographically throughout the world or throughout the areas, there were no more signs and wonders done. That's why he said, Trophimus, have I left it my lead him sick. That's why Paul prayed three times for the thorn in the flesh to be removed from him, and it was not removed because God's grace is greater in weakness than it is in power and strength. And Paul said, man, I'll stay just like I am, God, if I can have your power. That's the way we need to look at everything in our lives. Can God use me more as I am? Or do I need God to fix whatever it is and change whatever I want? No, accept what God gives you. And then He may take care of the thing on His own anyway. Look at Acts chapter 19. Acts chapter 19. Look at verse 11. The Bible says, And God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul, so that from his body were brought unto the sick handkerchiefs or aprons, and the diseases departed from them, and the evil spirits went out from them. Went out of them. Greater works. 
Jesus didn't use handkerchiefs. Jesus didn't, I mean, somebody touched the hem of his garment. The woman did. Virtue went out of him and into her. He's saying greater works. Now look, it doesn't mean that, that we're going to be able to do these things. Look at, look at uh, Acts chapter 8. Let's look at the greater works sort of numerically. Those are some supernatural things that went on. In Acts chapter 8, look at verse uh, 1. I've got so many writing in my Bible, I can't even find the beginning of the chapter. There it is. And Saul was consenting unto his death, and at that time there was great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the region of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial, made great lamentation over him. And as for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house and hailing men and women, committed them to prison. What a terrible thing. But God's glory can be shown upon that thing. Verse 4, Therefore, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the Word. Greater works will you do. Why? Well, God had to bring some persecution in. He brought the persecution in, and when you persecute the church, the church is supposed to get stronger, more bold, and, and, and more vigilant. We don't cower. Why? We got Jesus. Are you willing to die for Him and don't answer that? I can't even tell you that I am. I can tell you emphatically right now, I am willing to die for Jesus, but I don't have a gun facing me. I don't have a rope at the end of a, a scaffold waiting on me. I know how I am right here, right now, and I believe I would, but I'm also not facing death. But when the persecution came in, the church thrived. You know why the church has gone lackadaisical in these last days? Is because we've had it easy. What's coming? I don't know. I can just tell you this, there sure seems like there's something coming. You look at pre-COVID compared to today and you go, I cannot believe that they could shut most every church down around the world. And they did it. That's why we've said we'll never close again. Excuse me, that's what I've said and you've agreed. We're not shutting down again. Why? Because, listen, we did it to flatten the curve. Two weeks. You look at it and say, well, I want to be responsible. I want to be a good citizen in the community. If they tell me that that's all this is about, yeah, I don't like it. We can go online. People are asking me, can we come? Can we come? No, I've got to do what's the right thing. And if I let you come and not somebody else, I can't do that. So we shut it down. And then we, you know, we, we Wednesday, Sunday, Wednesday, and then the governor said we were essential. And they were locking up pastors down south in Florida. And who knows what they were doing up north. God forbid we know what happened out west. And I said, we're, I called the police department. I said, hey, we're opening up. Oh, nothing we can do to stop you. I said, no, 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 no. I just want to let you know we're, we're going to open up. I'm just letting you know why you'll see car, cars in the parking lot. I, I'm just trying to be the good citizen. But now I'll tell you, I, I believe with all my heart, if they came down and it may be coming, and they say, hey, we got to do the same thing again, I, I don't care Florida or wherever we are, I'm going to say, listen, you want to come, we're going to be open. If they want to arrest me, arrest me. 
That's the way it needs to be from here on out. Fool me once. Whatever it says, shame on me, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Listen, this whole thing was a ruse to a great degree. You look at the ones that locked them up, shut them down, versus the ones that didn't, and there is no discernible difference between the two. So it's not going to happen again. You say, well, what if it's the monkey virus? Well, it's just devolution. We evolved from them, now we're going back. I don't know. What's next? What's next? Listen, you do what God leads you to do. You don't have to be here. If you feel uncomfortable, you got comorbidities, or you got this, or you got that. Listen, you do what God leads you to do. I'm telling you right now, God will not lead to shut this church down. I do not believe. Therefore, what do you do? You stay open. Look at Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1, and with this I'll have to close. Romans chapter 1. Verse 8. He says, first, Paul's writing to the church at Rome, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. Their faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. Greater works shall you do. Their faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. You know what you know would be nice? Is if our faith was so strong, it was spoken of throughout the whole world. And it can be. Stand true. Stand firm. Don't compromise. Don't fear man. The fear of man bringeth a snare. I want to stand true to God until the day that I die. I have prayed at least a hundred times, God, if I, if I start to disgrace you, will you kill me before that? I'll say it again. Lord, please strike me down before I disgrace your name. So, oh, that's a terrible prayer. Not for me, it's not. I'd rather God take me out of this world than to disgrace His name. I hope each and every one of you feel the same way. If you do, pray that prayer. Pray that prayer. You ask Him for strength. He's not going to fake you out or end run you. You know, you know, you did a little, you messed up a little bit. Listen, everybody's going to mess up. I said disgrace his name. Happens all the time. I don't want to die that way. I don't want. And listen, God does that. God, God's merciful. He's gracious. You say, boy, if we see you die in the next couple of months, we'll know something was coming. You were getting ready to flop. Maybe so. Maybe so. Let's all stand together. <clears throat> Let's pray. Lord, we do thank you for your many blessings. Guide, lead, and direct in all things. Lord, we just pray that you would uh, have your will and your way in the, the, the remainder of the service. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. With your heads bowed and eyes closed. As the music plays.
your attention up here. We've got a baptismal service that we're going to do. So it'll be rather quick. So um, have a seat. And uh, <clears throat> we will um, get that started here shortly. Come on ahead, Gary. While we wait for him to get back there and get set up, let's turn our song books to 573. You can remain seated. We'll sing a couple of verses of Draw Me Near 573. Uh, it was on that list that I gave you. Draw me near. Okay. Okay, let's, let's turn to page 20, and we'll sing, Come Thou Fount. Page number 20. Oh, 